0: I think that sometimes we don't prosper because we have our own fears and beliefs about ourselves our judgments about how we view life how we view God, how we view God, yeah. how we view ourselves how we view others with all not your truth or kindness lord with not your truth
1: or kindness lord Welcome to The Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host, and I'm so excited about today's episode. Now, have you specifically prayed for something down to that last detail? How was that prayer answered? Do you feel like God took notice? Join me today where I talk with Julie Eichenrock, Executive Director of Freedom Farm Traverse City. We discuss our mutual mentor, George Mueller, evangelist and founder of multiple orphanages in England in the 1800s, how through his lifetime and the 70 plus years of ministry, he learned to trust God through prayer alone, and the way he inspires us today to take notice of God. We also discuss how God provided both of us a beautiful 14-acre property in Traverse City, Michigan, specifically by using this model of believing prayer. Julie Eichenroth is not only my friend, she is the founder and executive director of Freedom Farm, a faith-based therapeutic farm employing permaculture gardening, equine-assisted experiential learning, and heart skills coaching to nurture women and help them heal and grow. 25 plus years ago, through therapy and learning how to think like a grown-up, as she says, she recovered from suicidal depression and now coaches others in the skills of the heart breaking the pain and power of toxic judgments and how to achieve healthy relationships and biblical conflict resolution. A passionate teacher and speaker, I can vouch for that myself, she loves to share what healthy Christianity looks like and how to manage love and hope in these intense times. She's a visionary and utilizes George Mueller's principles and example to inspire herself and others to depend on the promises of a God who is a good father to daily provide abundantly for every need. So Julie, I am so excited to have you back on the notice because this isn't your first time. So welcome. That's
0: right. Woohoo, here we are. We here
1: here we are, years later, and a lot oh has happened, hasn't it? Oh my been.
0: gosh. An amazing journey together, my friend.
1: And here we are. And And I'm so excited to have you back, but I'm really excited to talk a little bit about this George Mueller guy, okay? Like, you know, you can just say this name and it's like, who is this guy? So can you give us a little background on George Mueller? Sure. I had heard about
0: George Mueller, I read about him in my late 20s, and I was really intrigued by his example of starting orphanages and his teaching about believing prayer for provision, and then that kind of faded into the background. And then my husband and I, as we went through our lives together, we experienced a lot of frustrating poverty and problems just praying and getting feeling like God would provide. And so a friend posted something on Facebook—a link to an actor who was portraying George Mueller. He portrays historical characters, and in this case, he was portraying George Mueller. And he, his speech was taken right from Mueller's own journals. Um, George Mueller journaled his whole 70 years of ministry, mm-hmm. and he has hundreds of journals that are now. Um, in the museum that is in England, that testifies to his work at the orphanage at Ashley Downs. So, who is George Mueller? George Mueller was a German pastor who lived in the 1800s. As a young boy, he was kind of wild and he was drinking and hitting bars and stealing and lying and getting thrown in jail. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he had a really rough childhood and um, teenage years. Very, very rebellious. <clears throat> he would call himself a wicked man. Mm. He, was, he was living a wicked lifestyle. But he came to uh, from Germany to, the, to England to go to university. His father actually wanted him to become a cleric because it was mm. considered a respectable job okay. at the time. It was just like, go get a job and I want you to do this. It's respectable. So he went to university and he encountered some Christians who began to, he joined their Bible study because he wanted, he wanted to argue with them and get them to leave their faith basically. And they won him to Christ by their sweet example and their study of the word and their prayer life. He just, he was he became convinced, so he became a Christian. And eventually he took up a pastorate and he had been influenced by another German pastor whose name was August Hermann Frank. And Frank had started orphanages in Germany and his he had learned believing prayer for provision. So he, that's how he ran his orphanages. He just prayed and God provided. He did not fundraise. And so George Mueller began to practice these principles for himself as a pastor and in his own personal life. And then he had noticed that England at the time, you know, it was the start of the Industrial Revolution. So many parents were being killed in industrial accidents because Mm, of unsafe working conditions. And so there were a quarter of a million orphans in England at the time. And England didn't have orphanages because they had a judgment that orphans were street vermin and so children I mean this was the times of Oliver Twist Charles Dickens Mm -hmm. documented the abysmal conditions that orphans lived under stealing being prostituted dying in workhouses or insane asylums uh you know working as chimney sweeps and dying in the chimneys and that kind of stuff so he had two things going on he was concerned for the children But he also wanted to put a demand on God's love and his willingness to provide for the weak, the weakest and the most vulnerable in society, and those were orphans. Mm -hmm. So God put it on his heart to start an orphanage. And um, he, he chose right from the beginning, he did not fundraise, he never fundraised for the over 70 years he had those orphanages, he built five orphanages on a property called Ashley Downs in England, in Bristol, England. And he's supported by prayer alone. The only thing they did once a year was put out a newsletter and all they did was tell people what they were doing. They did not advertise or run a charitable trust where you have wealthy people who get their wealthy friends to come in and support their work. They just prayed. He taught his staff to pray. And then they let God put it on people's hearts to give to their orphans, and seventy years of amazing, miraculous stories of provision. For so, these are
1: you saying that the basic George Mueller principle is prayer? Yeah, figure that. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that all prayer. about? Prayer. Prayer. Yeah. So, what? What about this prayer, though? Is the prayer is is it just? asking God for everything you need or is it getting really specific well I think you have to
0: start from what do we think about God Mm. what do we believe about him and I think for for myself I believe that prayer works you know I'm a praying person but back then I had a real poverty mindset and what's a poverty mindset you know you can deal with poverty but poverty of any kind starts in the heart right? We can have conditions in our life, we grow up in poverty or whatever, but a lot of times it goes back to what we really believe, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe um, about God. And so a lot of kind of how I grew up was, you know, you, you pray, you declare the Bible scriptures, you kind of beg God sometimes. I've heard of word of faith and positive confession and all of those things, but we couldn't make it work. We just, mm. we, we struggled. Like, God, we know we're doing something wrong, and of course you're always right, but we're not.
1: But can, sure can I ask what on. the struggle was? Was the struggle with the mindset, or was the struggle in an attitude or a way that you're looking at it, or was the struggle in just not having peace, or was the struggle that just the provision wasn't happening? Well... I think that
0: sometimes we don't prosper because we have our own fears and beliefs about ourselves, what we're willing to try, what we're willing to risk, whether we believe we can go to school or become educated or try a new thing or learn a new thing. I had a lot of fears about myself, a lot of judgments against myself. My husband had things he struggled with and he'd been in business his whole life. He had certain fears and things, and sometimes it's a lack of skill. You know, it is. Sometimes you're in the wrong business or the wrong, you're trying to employ a skill set you don't have. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, And we lived in a depressed economy. My husband had a guitar business, and we were impacted by the fact that many people were buying stuff online now and not going to brick-and-mortar stores. But God's not, He's not bound by anything. That's right. He told me once, Julie, I can work inside the ways of man and outside the ways of man. I'm not bound by anything. Mm-hmm. And that really helped me a lot. But but a lot of it went back to our judgments about how we view life, how we view God, how we view, God, yeah. how we view ourselves, how we view others, how we've handled our pain and wounds in life and the stories we've attached to that. Mm-hmm. I call it the narratives or the story in your head. Mm-hmm. And so we had to... We struggled for a long time. I mean, day to day, you know, not even knowing if you had $10 to put gas in your car. Right. And it was so frustrating. And we, you know, we we tried all the stuff. <laughs> and it just wasn't working. And then you, then you pray and you go, God, what's wrong with me? You know, do I smell or something? <laughs> you know, are you upset with me? And we'd always go, well, we know you're all right, God. You're perfect in all your ways. What are we doing wrong? We just didn't know. And it wasn't until... I began to learn about judgments through the book, How to Stop the Pain, which Mm -hmm. you and I have talked Mm -hmm. about a lot, and it's kind of a keystone book that I use in my coaching along with the Word of God. And I began to look at the pain and power of toxic judgments and how they limit us and how they keep us from producing fruit and from experiencing God's provision in every way, not just finances, but just everything, creativity and freedom just mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with our life's wounds and all of
1: that. So tell, tell, tell us what that looks like now. I mean, how are you applying these principles differently now because of the model of George Mueller? Well, I'll
0: tell you what set us free first. Um, three things, three main revelations that came over maybe five or ten years of time, aha moments that we had. The first was the toxic judgments. One day, Dave and I were having coffee in the morning and we were talking and I had been absorbing this message about how toxic judgments and beliefs depress us, cause pain, anxiety, torment, cycles, you know, patterns of loss and pain and and confusion. And I just, I finally got it. And I said to Dave, you know what, from now on, I'm not going to judge God. I realized i was judging him mm. and and when you judge someone you tend to move away from them mm. right and so then i realized i'm moving away from the one person who could help me and i so i said from this day on i'm just not going to say why god oh that's good why is the least mm-hmm. important question really mm-hmm. you know if, if bad things happen to you in life you can scream the why at god if he tells you the answer of why something happened does that make it not happen have happened mm-hmm. in your life does it undo it god always answers that question with will you trust me right so then we come to the part of can i trust you god oh yeah so There's the first that. thing the first thing <laughs> was i had to i drew a line in the sand that day and said from now on i don't i may not know why god is doing what he's doing but i'm not going to judge him because i know he's good well then we went to the next thing which was we went Uh, into a year-long study here in town with a group of people on a leadership development program, a different topic each month. And I know I took that year-long program for the one month we studied that God is a good father. Mm. And I got it. I got a huge revelation that God is a good father. That changed my whole life. I, I began to see him as good that everything he does comes out of goodness, out of kindness, out of mercy. He's far more kind than we give him credit for. And do you know what? In in uh, I think it's the book of Luke. It talks about God is kind and merciful to wicked and ungrateful men. Okay. okay. So if God is kind and merciful to wicked and ungrateful men, how much more is He kind and merciful to us? And That's right. what is the word kind? You know what it actually means? To furnish what is needed. Hmm. The word kind means to furnish what is needed. Mm -hmm. And God furnishes what is needed to us so many times and we don't notice it. Mm -hmm. We don't see what He's doing because we're seeing through a lens that's distorted.
1: Well, you know, our theme song for The Notice, there's a line in there that says, Withhold not your truth or kindness, Lord. Yes, I love that. So that is, I mean, we're, we're, we're actually, when we trust God, We're actually trusting that he is going to provide. What is he going to provide? See, this is the part that gets me a little kind of a little crazy is I don't want to decide what that is. Because then I'm putting a judgment on God. I'm saying, okay, God, I want you to do it this way. Mm -hmm. But then how does that work with God? actually applying these specific principles, because it, with George Mueller and the orphanages, he got really specific, didn't he? Did. he?
0: Yes, when so he started. How do, we, how
1: do we come to terms with that he kind he of balance? When he started his
0: orphanages, he, they literally prayed in every table, every lamp, every bolt of cloth, every knife, fork, spoon. He has amazing stories of how God provided when they were praying at breakfast and said, God, we need milk and bread. And someone would be knocking on the door as they were praying and a milk cart broke down in front of their, their home and said, does anyone need milk here? And then they would pray for bread and they would hear a knock on the door and a, two bakers had gotten, God had woken them up in the middle of the night and said, bake bread for the orphans. So when we don't judge God, all kinds of creative solutions begin to appear. And so that of the, uh, first to learn not to judge God made a decision. It was non-negotiable. I don't care mm-hmm. how much pain or confusion I'm experiencing. I'm not going to judge him. Then I learned that he is good. Okay. And so when I started to relax, I started to understand that, um, I could wait on God. I could wait and expect him to be creative, um, I could, I could understand that his motive toward me was always kindness and always for my good. I began to see that he was a God of growth so that he enjoyed my growth process and wasn't judging it all the time. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge aha for me yeah, also. Yeah, yeah. And then the George Mueller piece came into play. And so those three things really helped. And oh, also the fourth thing would be the passage in Second Corinthians 9 that talks about giving, being a cheerful giver, giving without compulsion. And I realize that all things need to come from the heart, you know, and why is it that we want to trust God for everything except our provision or our giving, let's say, but we have to have a formula to do it?
1: Well, don't you think sometimes that we've been raised, especially in the I call it the World War II generation or whatever. (laughs) We've been raised that, the American dream. You are dependent. You can provide. Mm -hmm. You are the one who goes on, gets the job, and gets the money, and buys the house, and and does all these things. But in reality, in God's economy, that's not the case because everything comes from the giver, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. God. So we get these gifts from God, but... When we're caught up in, okay, well, this is the only way that this is going to play out because that's my experience. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, don't you think we get caught in my experience? Mm -hmm. This is what my experience was growing up, so therefore it's going to be my experience now. Mm -hmm. And God's saying... Oh, no, there's a new experience mm-hmm. and I want to introduce you to that I think that's one of the things that I was blessed by by learning more about George Mueller was God has this whole thing planned out and he knows what you need before you ask it but you still ask it because you're that's an act of faith it's an act of trust right mm-hmm. yeah
0: you know and, and when I work with people in the growing you're a people grower too so you get this And I work outside, so I work in gardens, and God taught me some of his principles of growth, and one thing is, it's right there in Genesis, in the first few chapters, is that all seeds bear after their own kind, right? And that everything produces fruit after its own kind, right? So, and then Jesus, you add to that, that Jesus said, we shall know them by their fruit. And in that case, he was talking about false prophets, but the principle bears across across the board. We know people by their fruit, by what they do over time, like a track record. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we can also know God by his fruit. And so I began to see that God had a track record with me. Mm. Oh, really? That he, yeah, <laughs> that he actually provided when I asked him, but sometimes when I didn't ask him, he had a good track record of being a good God with me. And so I, and as I realized that and realized that I had been judging him according to my own distorted lens, you know, the grid that I saw him through,
1: he was like, why don't you let me speak for myself? Why don't you let me show you who I am? So you pivot from this, this attitude of what am I doing wrong? Why aren't you providing to, okay, God, I'm just going to experience how you're going to provide. I know you're a good God. I know you're going to do this. I just want to wait, sit back and like an audience member, take notice, Mm -hmm. take notice of what God is doing. So sometimes I think, when I think of this George Mueller thing, I also think of taking notice. Because all of a sudden, it puts us in a position to to pay attention mm-hmm. to what God is doing in the process, mm-hmm. not what we're doing mm-hmm. to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But, okay, God, I prayed about it. I wonder how you're going to provide that bread like mm-hmm. He did for George Mueller's mm-hmm. orphanages or or various things. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, you
0: know, things, it actually, when you get to that place of understanding that, a lot of our response to life is based on our own pain and the judgments and narratives and stories we've attached to that. And that's what we're responding to, the story in our head about God, or the story in our head about ourselves, or what mm-hmm. you know, we say I often think that Christians Christians say we say we believe in God, but we actually live like functional atheists. Mm -hmm. so in other words like yeah I believe in God but I got it from here God I'll handle this because somehow in my in my heart I don't really think you're going to provide or it's up to me I have to make it happen or I'm you know whatever however we noticed our parents growing up how did they respond to stress how did they respond to need did they get anxious did they get angry did they start powering through things and make stuff happen you know but I as I learned that God was a good father and I began to relax and trust him, then life became an adventure. Mm -hmm. It became really fun to Because when you let go of your judgments, all of a sudden creative solutions start to appear. Because you don't paint yourself into a corner all the time mm-hmm. with what you think has to happen. So now anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And I began to see lots of interesting things happen that I wasn't making Wait, happen do, myself. Do tell, a
1: story, tell a story about something that you were provided for, that you prayed this for. This is my,
0: I'm going to tell you my hey story. Okay. <laughs> it's such a funny thing because it's so creative and different. This wasn't somebody handing us a check. You know, or or anything. And we run the farm now by the George Mueller principles. We don't fundraise um, at the farm unless God tells us to. When we started the farm, he told us, um, your default is to pray first, mm-hmm. okay? And if I tell you to go apply for a grant or I tell you to fundraise in some way, then you can do it. But your default is to pray first. And that's what we teach our board. That's what we teach our volunteers and our prayer people, So a few years ago when we first started the farm I ran out of stuff to put, mulch to put on my gardens, my permaculture gardens. I had run out of wood chips that I'd been provided for, so I just said, God, you know, I need more wood chips. And he said, spoke very clearly in my heart, he said, use what you have. So I went, oh, I started looking around, what do I have? Well, I spotted this pile of 14 bales of hay that someone had given me the year before. And I thought, oh well, that's cool. I've never worked with you know hay before as a mulch, and it was really fun to work with. So I, I used it on my gardens. And so I went to to message the gal who had provided the hay. The, it was spent hay. She called me up the year before and said, hey, Julie, she was a horse person. I have this extra hay. Do you need it? Can you use it for your gardens? And I said, sure. And I couldn't get over there right when we, you know, right away to pick them up. So one day I came home and these 14 bales of hay were stacked in my yard. And I went, Oh, that's great. You know? So then fast forward to the next year when I needed a mulch and God said, use what you have. I spotted these bales. Oh, I can use those. So when I finished working in the garden, I texted her and I said, Hey, I just wanted to thank you for those 14 bales of hay you gave me last year. And she says, I didn't give you 14 bales of hay. I gave you three bales of hay. And I texted her back. and I said, No, you didn't. I said, I came home that day. There were 14 bales there. She said, Julie, I gave you three bales of hay. I said, I'm going to go back in our text conversation and I'm going to prove to you that... Mm-hmm. You you gave me all these bales of hay, and that's why I like written communications, because you can check back on what people actually said. And I scrolled back to our conversation the year before, and she had given us three bales of hay. To this day, I have no idea mm-hmm. where those bales came from. Mm-hmm. Now, that may seem like a little thing, but I, <laughs> it makes me chuckle, because it's mm-hmm. like 14 bales of spent hay mm-hmm. just appeared on our property, I don't know how it got there. I still don't know who dropped it off. And I just laughed and laughed about that because that is a practical example of God's... I think he just gets this twinkle in his eye when he says, I am the God of abundance. Mm -hmm. Nature teaches us that he is an abundant God. Mm -hmm. And if we do things his way, we will experience his abundant provision. And so... You know, I, and he's creative. So he provided in a way ahead of time. I had no idea, you know, how he was going to do it. So cool. And and I love that story because it doesn't have to be somebody suddenly handing you a check. I, you know what I love about this too is I'm free. I don't have to hint to anybody that I have a need. I tell my friends, you know, I... If I need if I'm telling you that's something I need, please don't just assume I'm hinting. Because I hate hinting. I hate Mm. manipulation. I don't so I'm happy to stay quiet about it. But I need to be able to tell people so they'll pray with me. But I don't like manipulation or hinting or anything. But I feel free because I can when Dave and I experience a need, we go, Oh goody, we get to go and pray about it. And then Mm -hmm. we get to watch God provide. Mm -hmm. And that makes life just full of fun and adventure.
1: Well, I know that God has shown himself to us in many different ways and I love how you can see that he provided abundantly, but you don't know even know how it got there. I still get back to the theme of this podcast. We have to notice what he's doing. And I think when we put ourselves in this position of trust and faith in God and his goodness, then we start realizing, hey, something cool is coming down you know, the pipe something's you know, you happening asked,
0: you know is it about provision or watching god take notice it's both we feel seen and loved and cared for by god and in very specific intimate and personal ways and we in you know when my work sometimes people pay me for my coaching or my services and sometimes they can't that set us free because when you're in ministry, it's all about where's the next dollar going to come from? You know, and the way I view it now is I have a father who has abundant provision and inexhaustible resources. I don't care where it comes from. I, if, if somebody wants to work with me and she can't afford coaching services, say, but I feel led to say yes to her request for coaching, I, I'm like, God, I don't care where it comes from. You move piles of money and piles of resources mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. around the earth every single day mm-hmm. as long as my bills are taken care of. I'm free to let resources flow through my hands. I'm free to say yes to anyone I want. I can say no to someone if I want. And
1: and but I don't have to worry if they can hand me a check. And mm-hmm. also, it's not just the physical provisions, but it's the provisions of your emotions or your heart or... Are you needing validation or affirmation at a certain time? I have one story that where I uh, I was going through a divorce and it was really, really tough. It was really tough. And I was spending days talking to lawyers and working things out. And I came into a small group setting and I sat down at the small group setting. And one of the women in the group just came up to me and just started stroking my hair. Wow. And it was just a lovely gesture. She didn't say a word. But in that moment, I felt noticed by God. I felt like He provided something I needed. Like, I know it's tough, honorable mm-hmm. I'm with you. And it that I'm mean, yes, He used another person to do that. And and God will do that. He'll use other people to help uh, provide for us, mm-hmm. or provide whatever it is that we need. Whether it's you know work working on the farm or whatever it is. But at the same time, He's just it, it's it's like this big huge hug from God Mm -hmm. that we miss out on if we don't surrender that concept of what he's doing and how he's doing it and and when he's doing it Mm -hmm. because I think this is one of the things I learned through the George Mueller principles is just wait it's gonna happen when it happens. And of course, we've got this really cool story that I think we're going to share on our next episode because we're going to do a part two of this. And that is how God provided this 14 acre property that we're sitting on right here today. It's a 14 acre property, and um, it's now the home of Freedom Farm and Affirm Ministries, mm-hmm. which is the ministry that I head up. Mm-hmm. And we're joining to we joined together on forces. And this, I'm going to tell you, folks listening out there, I can't wait to share the story about what God did to bring this together. Because these, yes, it's details, and yes, it's little things here and there. And we did start journaling just like George Mueller. If we, if we could just tie this up in a nice, neat little bowl for today, what do you think you would want to say to our listeners out there about our God? I'm going
0: to preface this statement, this quote from George Mueller, with a really quick idea. And that is that often we feel ashamed of our need. Need feels vulnerable. Mm. Need feels That's shameful. Good. And so... What do we do when we have need? We either feel despair and hopelessness or we better fire up our resources and we better get to work and roll up our sleeves and make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's true. Or we, when we pray to God, his willingness and ability to provide for us is dependent on how good we are, mm-hmm. right, and how well we've done everything, yeah. how, how, what a perfectly formulated prayer we've had. But I love this quote by George Mueller. I put it on our website on the Statement of Giving page. If you want to read more about George Mueller, you can go to that page, and I'm sure Susan will put a link at the Mm -hmm. end. But this is a great quote by George Mueller that I absolutely love. God does not answer prayer because we are good. God answers prayer because he is good.
1: provision. Just one of the many ways God takes notice. As someone who grew up in a low socioeconomic household, I often wondered why some received more than others. I often wondered why we had to struggle. And for years, I struggled with having to struggle. But as my relationship with provision changed, I began to recognize that it was my relationship with the provider that changed as Julie described, sometimes it can be more about our view of God than the actual provision. I love Luke 12, 24, where it tells us, Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. I love this verse because it says the birds don't sow or reap. That means they didn't do anything to receive God's notice. So if we apply that to us, it means that it's not about what we do or the provision, but more about who God is, what freedom there is in that perspective. That's why I can't wait to share with you how God provided Julie and I with this 14-acre property called Maple Ridge Place. Be sure to tune in to the next episode where we talk about all God did and is doing to provide a place where we can celebrate His presence through ministry activities because it is His presence which provides our healing. So if you just can't wait, be sure to Google Freedom Farm Traverse City or Maple Ridge Place Traverse City for more information. And friends, I have to admit, I've really missed you. With the purchase of the property, You've noticed that I've had to take a short break from the podcast, but I'm excited to get back to it and to welcome Julie as a regular contributor. Be sure to listen in, press that subscribe button, and be sure to share the podcast with your friends. Until next time, take notice.